0: Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, and the best way to start your Saturday, this is KMA Talk Radio, life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul grocco the man with the scoop, William Cooper, Alex the Goat Tavella, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe DeBetnaz like to smoke them like the witch like church, yeah. like John Kennedy, yeah. remember coach where I walk, up for victory, yeah. where well, you can take my wife, you can take my car, but you can't take my big cigar, my cigar.
1: Good morning, folks. Welcome to KMA Talk Radio. I am your captain now. Abe isn't here. Paul isn't here, but I'm here. My man William Coop with the scoop is here as well. And we also have a special guest coming in shortly.
2: Cooper, good morning. Good morning. We're in good hands with you as the captain. So I'm uh, very glad to be here. Yes, yes.
1: Guys. I saw a little bit of chatter in the in the in the in the chat that we were late, which we were definitely not late. I pulled this right in at 10. Absolutely. So okay.
2: maybe you guys were late. Check your Wi-Fi, check your internet, but it damn sure wasn't us. Well, I'm looking at the clock when this launched, and it's five minutes plus, and it's 10:05. So we we were you started on time. There there is right. Yeah, right? this was not a Paul here. This was not a Paul I move. I mean, here. come on, come on, guys. Yep. Come yeah. Come on, guys. Yep.
1: Yes, Paul is not here. Abe is actually at uh, Asher's basketball game, and um, he may be checking in with us on the second hour courtside. So. Yeah, and Paul, we'll see. We, we, we don't,
2: Paul just... Yeah, we don't even minute. know where,
1: I, I legitimately don't even know why Paul's not here. We before.
2: don't know why, and and for everyone's benefit, he will not be here next week either, so... Yes, yes, uh. yes, so apparently
1: Paul, <laughs> Paul had to change his flight, which made the him... The only finish. flight he
2: can make is during yeah. KMA. <laughs> yeah, which made the him miss only.
1: Two, two shows. Yeah, not yeah, one.
2: not one, so yeah, exactly, exactly. I missed the show last week,
1: Coop, I was out sick, how how did... uh? How did that go? How was. Well, well our glad you feel
2: Feeling better. I'm glad you feel better. Thank you. I tell you, first of all, I, I thought it was one of the best interviews I've done in a long time with just someone from outside the cigar industry. Sure. Um, Tom's story of going across the country uh, was amazing. It's an amazing story. And I was just, as I heard him talk, I was more amazed by it. And, you know, so, like I said, it was great interview. Fred was, Fred was fantastic coming in and kind of pinch hitting and. Doing a great job. I, I gotta apologize to Tom. I didn't know he was still in Boynton Beach, or I would have went up there to do the show with him. I didn't realize. I thought he went home already. Oh, that's, I that's right. Was,
1: that's right. Because you were uh, you were down in Miami. Miami.
2: I was in Miami. So bad on me. That's bad on me. I didn't know. Um, I should have known. So I apologize to Tom because I would have liked to have kind of uh, met him in person and, and kind of talked to him about it. So that's uh, yeah. that's uh, that's okay. It's a yeah. magic of TV. We can still that's get everybody magic-
1: in one place. Yeah, at one time. but um.
2: But yeah, if you haven't caught it, um, I really encourage folks to hear his Tom's story. It, it's a great story.
1: Yeah, man, great story, uh, great effort from Tom. You know, it's not just it's not just the the physicality of it. You know, the guy's basically alone on the road for six weeks yeah. on a bike. You know,
2: he did it by himself. Like a lot of these guys who do transcontinental rides, will have a support car along with them
1: riding along the route,
2: right? Riding along the route. He Tom had Tom had his bike. That was it, uh, right. and everything he was going across the country on was on either the front or the back of his bike. So, yes. Um, yes. and, and an, amaz- an amazing accomplishment, um, and and he had a lot of challenges because. He was going up against a headwind, right? The winds normally go from west to east, but the winds yes. were coming against him on this, which is kind of different. Um, because that's why a lot of people, you know, when you take a, an airline, you're pushed faster because of the winds. But right, he had he had to really hit a lot of challenges. And then, you know, the one question that really surprised me, Alex, is when he went through um, Alabama, uh, he encountered some like unsavory people, and they were not kind to him. And that was like the, he was t- i asked him what the toughest part of his ride was and he was saying that ride through the southern part of alabama was pretty rough and and that, that's just terrible if people would do anything like that sure so anyway, yeah so um yeah so but you know i would have thought his answer would have been maybe arizona or you know, right Mexico. the heat thought, the desert something hilly but it, but it was it was uh, alabama yeah alabama was that because he encountered some of these people unfortunately right yeah right, yeah very interesting
1: yeah. go yeah. figure that's where uh vincent panetti lives so it, it goes to show what yeah. reads out of out of alabama
2: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah i like vincent throwing like food at that point on a, <laughs> yeah on a, on a bike yeah man it's always people it's
1: always people unfortunately it reminds me of uh you ever see that um that like robot that was traveling across the country and uh, then it got to Philadelphia, and they like robbed it and beat it up and, and, <laughs> yeah. and trashed. You know? Yeah, so
2: it's it's always people. It's always yeah. people that ruin that trip. It, it, it is. It is. Um, you know, speaking of Philadelphia, how 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 great is it that James Harden was kicked off the Sixers? They, they, they got rid of him. How great are they playing without him right now?
1: Playing great, best record in the East. At least they were a couple of days ago. But playing great, playing like a team. No distractions. No headache. James Harden has to go down as probably the most selfish player in, in like, not even NBA, but, like, sports history. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he's, going to, he's going to just have that legacy of cancer of a team. You know, he's not a team guy.
2: No, I know. And, you know, I was really down on the Sixers because I didn't want to watch him. But I don't want to watch that team with him on the roster. But you All made right. that point to me when they said they kicked – they basically wouldn't let him on the flight to go join the team. That kind of restored a lot of my faith in the organization. Okay, great. They're, they're willing to just let this guy sit and, and, right. and be miserable. And, right. and, and, and good for Magic. they, they got to pay him. Trade him. Yeah, and they traded yeah. him. Good, good. Right. I don't care what they got for him. Yeah.
1: I mean, that was the sticking point, you know. I mean, they were like, look, you know, we're not just going to trade you for nothing because you don't want to play. I'll let you sit. If I got to pay and let you sit there yeah. and do nothing, I'll pay you till I get what I want out of a trade. Yep.
2: Yeah, but it would have been very easy to say, "All right, we need you in Milwaukee, like for that road you know, opening day." And they, they they got to the gate and they said, nah, "No, home. no, no, you go, you stay, stay home, You stay home." And I was like, it's "Good, good for the organization for doing that." You stay yeah. home. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I don't know if you
2: touched on it last week. Probably not, since I wasn't
1: here. But uh, Texas Rangers World Series champions.
2: Yeah, we didn't touch on that, but um, yeah, congrats to the Texas Rangers. Uh, I think it's a great, great. Uh, Great to see them kind of finally win it. So uh, uh I'm I'm just glad they beat Arizona, obviously but, after But you after know Arizona. did you have the feeling that I think we would have put up more of a fight against than Arizona? I, I, absolutely. I, 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 I'm absolutely. not saying we would have beat Texas, but I'm just saying I think we would have put much more of a fight. These games would have been more competitive. Uh so it kinda hurt to see our team not there this year.
1: Absolutely listen, I'm sure it I'm sure it uh I'm sure it hurt ratings too. I don't know that Texas, Arizona Maybe. is the uh the most exciting World Series.
2: Which, which is weird because, you know, Phoenix and Dallas are big markets. They're not small markets by any means. True,
1: true. They but I, I feel Houston is the bigger Texas team. That's yes. that's the more, you know, listen, for better or worse, you know. They're not national press. teams.
2: Yeah, they're not even, national
1: teams. Even team bad anymore. press is good press when it comes to the Astros. So, you know, people, yeah. sometimes you tune in just to try and hope to see a team lose. Yeah. And that's no, what it's most true. people do with the Astros.
2: It's true, but, you know, then you have – I think the Phillies have a following outside of Philadelphia. You know, the, the Yankees Absolutely. have a following outside of New York. Uh, Houston, I think, even has – is starting to get that following too because a lot of people, you know, lived in Houston at one point. And now they're, like, you know, all over the Astros because they're winning. So uh, – but, yeah, this was definitely uh, – this definitely didn't have a feel of, like, a big-time World Series, which it's a So shame. I, I- –
1: I just got a I just got a hot off the press key stat from uh, Rob, who's actually working the floor right now in in Boyton. But, LA Clippers zero four since James Harden joined the team. Good
2: job, Rob. Yeah,
1: Amazing. Rob's our uh, he's our sports
2: analyst here. Zero
1: four, LA Clippers.
2: There is a there is a rant by one of the Dallas Maverick uh, announcers destroying James Harden before the pregame show, basically calling him the problems. and you know, and he and he chronicles every part of James Harden, like, and how he just burnt bridges everywhere he was and was sure. given every opportunity to, like, be a part of In a every team. place. Yeah, every team. All those teams he went to should have been contenders, if you think about it, and they weren't. And we weren't, a contender. We weren't a contender either. And, and here's the thing. I really think he got the coach fired, right? I really think he got the coach fired. 100%. And, fired. and then he went and did that. I'm not saying the coach – look, the coach didn't get the job done. I'm being honest. But he's, he... I think he got the coach fired. He still wasn't happy and then wanted to be traded, and he, then he goes mouths off when he was in China.
1: Right, right.
2: Absolute uh, disgrace.
1: You know what? Before we get any further, why don't we get our guest in here? This is a man of uh, many talents, and uh, he can uh, chime in on just about anything. That's yeah, yeah. Let's,
2: let, let's do it. So uh, uh,
1: let's run our Meet Your Maker segment and uh, get you-know-who in here.
0: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell it's time to meet your maker
1: all right everyone let's give a big welcome to our friend steve Saka. good morning steve
3: good morning
1: from from the mothership in the big chair
3: yes i'm in abe's chair today I have to tell you, for such a big dude, he's got a tiny ass desk. I feel you know, like when you go to for the parent-teacher conference, and you have to sit in the little chairs in elementary school. That's what I'm looking at here. I mean, the the right. chair is big, but the desk is absurd. It is. It is a uh it is small. I don't. There's no band. room, but there's really like no room to get yourself you, you underneath. You can't fit oh. underneath the desk because you got yeah. so much shit in under here. It's like a whole episode of hoarders beneath the desk. It's crazy. And by the way, just for the record, I got two other names for you: Keyshawn Johnson. Fair. Okay, come on. Yeah, absolutely. The guy donned a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey, right? One, he's on the Bucks team, right? Craziness, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a recent one, Antonio Brown, man. What a what oh, a waste, Antonio oh, Brown. Was. Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. Antonio Brown descent every single place he went, every so, opportunity I, in the world.
1: I almost give him. I don't want to say I give him a pass, but he's like legitimately out of his mind, Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like so. He, he's he's got a lot going on upstairs too, <laughs> Antonio Brown. But, but, <laughs> well, but fair, fair
3: pick yeah. or not, right? What if something right. all right? Up so I, you're saying because he's slightly. Yeah, I don't know how he'll feel about the fact yeah. that we're saying he's a little touched, but, uh, yeah. Antonio Brown, boy, that's a that tough was, player.
2: Those, those are two good ones. I would agree. What a shame.
3: Cause they were both, inc- isn't it? It's these guys that are incredibly talented, right? I mean, James oh, Harden, yeah. oh, when James Harden's James, when James Harden's doing James Harden stuff on the court, right? He's a talented player. I mean, I understand Absolutely. why teams keep picking him up, but
2: I understand. I mean, I thought I was thrilled when I said, all right, he's going to come to the Sixers. It's going to be a good situation. I'm a six fan. Boy, he soured on me by, by the middle of last year. I was like, All right, this guy's got to go. Uh, Steve. Steve, they're you already. They're oh, I'm on
3: beat. <laughs> I was here. The only thing, the only thing that – I was wearing this same shirt last night, but this is a fresh one. I packed two that are identical. <laughs> but literally, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reeking of booze and cigars. And In fact, I'm, I'm doing a, espresso and Coca-Cola to kind of get my way through. And then these glasses – I think these are out of uh, are these are these Marissa's? They're Marissa's, yeah. They're her blue light. Glasses. Yeah, sorry, Marissa, I borrowed a glass because my eyes okay. are so shot. Like, I just need something. You know all what right. I mean? All right, all right. Yeah, this is yeah, it's brutal. Right. So,
1: st- Steve, let's uh let's get to the matter at hand here. Boxes are arriving. Uh, people are firing up, posting their pictures. We had an event here last night. Sober mesa, brulee, wagashi. Finally Wagashi, finally hitting people's hands. Um, this has been long into we've been getting emails like every month for the last four months.
3: When's it coming? When's it coming? Um, you ever think people would be this excited about a mild Connecticut shade cigar? It's amazing. I mean, listen, I'm a a mild guy.
1: So it's in my wheelhouse for sure. For that for that type of, you know, I get excited about that stuff, but yeah, you know, the the normal is, is not, you know, people people going wild for
3: Although I don't, I, wonder, I don't find it super mild. No, it's. I think strength-wise, I kind of put it between the regular brulee and the brulee blue. Um, and then it's a little less sweet than the brulee yeah. or the brulee blue, but that has to do with the wrapper. Um, have to sort out thicker texture wrappers in order to, when we press it, so that they don't crack. So the wrapper on the wagashi is a little less sweet than the natural wrapper on the other two. So I think that uh, that makes a difference. I mean, it, it all kind of fits together because, I mean, wagashi is a Japanese delicacy. It's like this small little confection. And it's known for being like, it's made out of typically like very few ingredients, very simple. Um, rice flour is the base, and they use, so it's kind of nutty. It's got like a silky texture, and it's just got a light touch of sweetness. And, uh, so I really kind of wanted to pair Wagashi, I mean the cigar wagashi off the concept of Wagashi. So that was kind of the target. And we even, you know, doing the box press on it like this. Um, it's very similar to a particular Wagashi called. I think it's called Yaku. It comes in this particular shape. Um, it's a it's a really nice, mild, pleasant kind of smoke with a little bit more punch, you know. So I I'll be interested to see what people think of it. I'm I'm really, I'm really happy with it. Um you know, I I think it's going to be popular, but it's it's always hard to tell. You never you never know how consumers are going to about right. something until they get it in their hands.
2: Right. So this was a pre-release for. Yeah. This is coming out of PCA though, right? And as a Yeah, time. it was.
3: It was always intended to be released at PCA 2024 for all of our boulet accounts, but because of uh, Red Meat Lovers going nationwide this year, it ended up creating a problem for my friends at smoke in because we normally have the November drop of red meat lovers and now there was nothing. So we ended up saying, okay, well, we don't have time to make something all brand new and fresh, but I'm already working on Wagashi because in the right. end, Wagashis are going to have that full year of age on them. I, it, it ended up being a good plug and play, you right. know, that worked out schedule wise. So, um, you know,
2: is it coming out available everyone yeah is it coming out more sizes or just this size
3: no just this one size okay yeah the blend was made just for this i mean i it got tweaked a lot from after we pressed it too yeah because the pressing always changes the way everything tastes and smokes so
1: speaking of pressing steve i actually have a little bit of a nerd question that i'm sure you could answer I, i see it sometimes this term but what is the difference between a box press and a trunk press
3: well, the term box press is actually inappropriately used in our industry all the time. Where box pressing originates from is traditionally Cuban cigars. They were We didn't have the type of cool rooms we have now where we de-wick. So what was ending up happening is cigars would be packed wet off the bench, and they would pack them in boxes that were slightly undersized because they had to ship the cigars back to Europe or they had to ship the cigars to the, to the North America Well, I guess they are in North America, but to the United States. And remember, those those came on wagon wheels and boats, right? So it was a rough journey. So by packing the cigars light, slightly wet in a box that was slightly too small, the cigars would get naturally pressed in the box. That's a real true box press. What we have done since forever is we actually have these trunks, okay, which we simulate a box press in after the cigars are rolled so we put them in the trunks when they're wet and depending on the shape of the trunk and depending on how much pressure determines how how square the cigar gets so you have like a soft prensado which is what i would consider Wagashi to be it's kind of a gentle press and then you'll have a really firm prensado which is a much more square you know you see some of the like perdomos i don't know I haven't looked but they used to have one that was really super sharp um and you have varying degrees in between. So what we actually do is actually trunk pressing. It isn't box pressing. But like so many terms we use in our industry, they get interchanged by whoever's speaking at the moment. But yeah, there, there isn't any that's true, that's true right. box press except some
1: Havana's out there. you know. Oh, So so
3: essentially anything
1: that we call box press is actually trunk press. Trunk yeah. press, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, you can see the difference. I know like um, AJ Fernandez, a lot of his box press, you can get that you see that really sharp edge box type as compared to this, which is kind of.
3: Yeah. You just, it's simply you just press. make the, you make the trunk mold a little less long little and you put more pressure down on it. Thing is you can't, you can't firm press a lot of wrappers cause they'll just crack on you. And it's right. even a problem to soft press wrappers. They're, I mean, there aren't a lot of pressed Connecticut shades in the marketplace because they're just too difficult yeah. to do. It's yeah. hard to pull the wrapper you need. going can be thick enough, but still be shade. And then you end up with, it's not uncommon to end up with as much as 12 to 15% breakage in the trunk. And then you have to take those cigars and put them back out to the tables to them to re-echo them to pass another wrapper over to repeat the process. So it's, it's not cost effective to box press Connecticut Shade cigars. And that's the reason why you just don't see them.
1: Right, it makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yep.
3: Yeah. You um you actually
1: brought up an interesting point last night. Um, when we were talking, you said that
3: when I was drunk. Nah, I don't I think was, you like, were drunk. No, no,
1: because I left. I left by like 9 30, 45. Oh, yeah, you were so that was yeah, yeah I, you were still good. I was like only
3: half into the bottle at that point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but you mentioned that you said that you actually, you know, in looking back, you preferred this evolution of kind of the blue. Rather than extending the blue line itself.
3: Yeah, because I originally had intended for 2024 to be, and I've mentioned a couple times in the past, I was working, I'm actually finished with it, a brulee big blue, which was really taking the exact brulee blue blend and just proportioning it, scaling it to a larger cigar. And you know, probably, you know, now doing the Wagashi project where I got to tweak the blend a little, use the different texture wrapper, have it be a touch less sweet. It made it a really a slightly different experience, right? So if you like Brulee, you like Brulee Blue, you're probably gonna like Wagashi, okay? Right. If you're a tricky Traca person and you don't want to ever smoke, it, it's not gonna like it's not gonna work for you. You have to like that mild to medium kind of thing. But I think doing Wagashi, it added more to the line than me just doing another size of Brulee Blue. Right. So I, I right. think I think it's a better addition for the company, and I think it's a better addition for. Uh, cigar smokers too, because it gives them a different take, rather than just a different size.
2: Agree. Sure. I uh, agree with if, that. If I
1: if I think I understand the question Kent is asking, if a wrapper Replace. cracks,
3: yeah, when the wrapper cracks, what will happen is uh, so like in a factory, you know, they work in pairs, right? But every day there's always some buncheros that are out sick or. They have an appointment that day, which then leaves their their, uh, their partner stranded, the Rolera. So they get put onto the riecho tables for that day. So in any sizable factory, there'll be four or five, six girls who are just there. And what they're doing is they're just replacing wrappers on cigars that are either getting kicked back from quality control or they got damaged while they're doing the color sort, or in this case, damaged when we're doing the trunk pressing And their whole job is just to tear off the cracked or split or whatever wrapper, wrapper with a blemish, and then place a new piece of wrapper on. And you really need to do that. Like, it's much easier to do it, like, from the trunk press or from that day's production, because all the cigars are still really wet and everything's really pliable. It's a much more difficult task to try to do it when you are at the quality control table in the end, when you're getting ready to box and color sort because it's very hard to then pass a wrapper, and most, some factories do it. We don't. We end up mulching those cigars, because you can never get the wrapper to lay the way it really should be. So we end up mulching ours. But some factories do pass wrapper on uh, uh, set cigars, finished cigars, you know, wick cigars, whatever we want to call it. Uh, M- Michael Sharp, uh, Steve
1: kind of went over this, but uh, wagashi is is essentially a general term for a specific type of Japanese delicacy. Um, this a little, was a, little dessert tree, little confection, and like mochi, yeah. mochi falls under. Wagashi, mochi is right? a type, yeah. Is one of the wagashi. There's like the wagashi. 12
3: basic categories of wagashi, and, and mochi is one of them.
1: Yes, yes, and yeah. this was a product with the the fine gentleman from Cigar Dojo, who is our
3: themed around right. that. Jeff so, amazing. yeah, Cigar yeah, Dojo's so. whole theme is this kind of Asian influence, you know what I mean? Yeah, Master yes. Sensei and, you know, I guess uh, Sumatran Samurai. I think, it, you yeah. know what? That name's never been used. I think I'm going to use it just to irritate them.
1: I kind of <laughs> like it,
3: the Sumatran right? Samurai. It isn't trademarked. Yeah, yeah. yeah It's no, never sure been it's used not. before. Yeah, and the thing I like about it is if I use it, I won't pay him a penny.
2: Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 those guys are they're actually really big connecticut shade guys too um, yes I, I know they really love that connect kin- kin- and we because we've we've jousted with them on things they haven't liked this connecticut yeah. shade is alex and I, but they are very big on connecticut shade so it was a good project to work with them on yeah
3: it's yeah, just all the way it was a really good fit yeah you know their theme the blend i was working on the hole in the schedule for for the drop because of red meat lovers. It was just kind of like a convergence of things. Because the only negative thing I can say is now uh, I basically am going to be advertising Cigar Dojo forever because it's on every single. It's on yes. the cigar band. Everyone. Yes it, so. is.
2: yes, it is. Going So even going forward, when this comes out in actual, they're going to be on the band.
3: Yeah, they're going to be wow. on the band.
2: They got a good deal. They got a great yeah. deal with that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think this is gonna I think this was their biggest launch without ever. question.
2: Without question. Like without question. Even
1: I mean I including though Do-
3: including treatment. initial dojo, uh uh
1: dogma launches for sure. Yeah, this was yeah. this
3: was almost this was like two and a half times the original dogma from Jewish yeah, understanding the numbers. Like if I,
1: I think it was something like yeah. six hundred. So so for, for
2: so. a single store release, the amount of boxes you guys sold on Blind Faith, that that's an amazing launch. I, I don't care what, you know, who it is I, that you guys sold a lot of boxes. Like, well, like listen, it.
1: listen, that even though he want, doesn't ever want to take it, you know, look, that's that's credit to Steve. You know, people, absolutely. Absolutely. People they have faith in him. Yeah. Come to expect a a, a, a certain bar, you know, know Steve's not going to let a turd out of the factory. So, no, yeah, I can't
3: promise a consumer they're going to like the taste or flavor or strength or aroma because that's also subjective. But right. we 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 really strive hard not to make sucky cigars. Right. So um, so I didn't look at like, you know, and I'm and I'm I'm always cognizant of that. I mean, I, when you make these kind of small, smaller, limited releases, you you can't look at it as a cash grab and easy money because you have to understand that the people that are like buying the product blindly are your best customers or your most loyal people that love the brand, that they're willing to actually spend the money for a cigar they've never, ever tasted. So. You have to give them something worthwhile, you know, and it's always been it's the way I've always looked at all these. And it's one of the reasons why I think our limiteds have done so well because they've just seen every single year as we drop these. There'll be ones they like better than other ones, but there's we've never I mean, eventually it's going to happen just because you get unlucky. But we have not we have not put a dog into the marketplace ever. Um, And I think and customers trust us.
2: Yeah. Alex, you, you go through a lot of these launches of these of the you know exclusive releases for smoke in. But I would say one, you know, and obviously you guys know what you're doing, but Steve's probably more involved with these than most other manufacturers I've seen in, in terms of these. Would you agree? Um Yes, absolutely.
1: Um But you know, it it actually it it makes it it makes it easier for us. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the cigar is Steve's. Now, when it comes to yeah. micro blends, we have input. A cigar like this is Steve's. Right. But because Steve, Steve becomes almost another, he becomes another eye for us to look over things because he's involved in it. He's not just throwing out a cigar and I'm making it and rent right here. You guys do what you do with it. You know, when it comes to our art and, and making sure everything is, you know, concise and 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 kind of represents the brand right it actually it, it makes it easier because it gives us another eye to look at it and say you know that is on target with with what we're doing you know yeah. um the mechanics of it all again you know this as far as pre-orders and whatnot that all started with, with red meat lovers because we just couldn't right. get red meat we couldn't get it right you know first year was first year was too little the next year it was it, it lingered along they were actually we all too little it, you know?
3: every year that was the problem and yeah no, but it was like how do you jump right yeah right because it's a big risk. You're making sure. all these cigars and you're sending them to one retailer. And I think consumers look, I think consumers have a very skewed view as to how many boxes of cigars the average retailer sells of any brand. Yeah, I, know. I mean, there's a lot of brands that, if there's a box on the shelf that they can just turn two, three times a year, that's like really earning its space. You know right. what I mean? On the yeah. shelf. Yeah. And they have a single retailer do 300, 500. In the cases you know, over a thousand. I mean, red meat lovers got crazy. We we're into the multiples of multiple thousands, and the whole pre order thing just said because Abe's like, How many do you think we should make? I came up with a number, he came up with a number. We were both within like 100, 150 boxes, and then, then when he did the pre order, the pre order was more than double of the guests that both Abe and I made,
2: right, yeah,
3: right? right? So, I mean, and the intent is not to deprive people of cigars. But there's a lot of risk when you make these things. There's a lot of cash invested. And if they don't turn, it's not like if I make too many Mike Rita Blue Ancho Largos. I slow production a little. I have a little excess inventory in my warehouse. It sells in a couple months. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you're making this limited production drop, that's for one, one place, key right. event circling it. It's, it's, it's a lot of risk for a retailer. And it's a lot of risk. In, and if the retailer doesn't do well, I don't do well either. So, I mean I get all my money, but my money's you know what I mean, it's not good if the retailer's stuck with 800 boxes of red meat lovers cuz I right. oversold them the product. Right. Nobody wins in that scenario. So the pre-order thing is really nice cuz it lets the consumers who want not have to scramble, right? They're not going to miss out. And it's good for me too cuz I I know exactly how many I need to produce and deliver by a certain schedule. It takes a lot of the risk out of it. It takes risk out of it for the consumer takes, yep. well, maybe not risk, but hassle out of it, you know, takes risk out of my end. It's just, it's just better.
1: Sure. No, it works. I, it's easier. It all the yeah. way around. I agree. And, and, and look, you know, part of the other thing was it, it is it essentially it kills the secondary market because anybody that wants one can get one, you know, and nobody has to scramble uh, the day of and try and hope that they can get it that day and, 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 and not miss out, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, FOMO is cool and all, but it's not fun if you're the guy that missed. So it kind of yeah. takes that away from the consumer. If you want it, you can get it. You have time. Yeah, and yeah, it makes it easy for Steve. He knows what he has to make. You know, there's yeah. no guessing. We're not guessing how many we should make. How many can we sell? You know.
2: Yeah, and plus you, you guys are only taking a deposit. You're not taking the full thing, so it's you know, right. People right. got time right. to plan out. They're gonna you know if they buy in a box, which is a yeah. and, thing and thing. then really
3: the best customer is the one that doesn't complete their order because. Yeah, it's they just get the pocket deposit. And they gave the guy nothing,
2: and you guys <laughs> can sell it on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. They sell it. <laughs> hey, listen, that's it's on you. Brilliant, man. It's if brilliant. You, yeah. If,
1: if you don't come back and get it, hey man, it's a three free thirty bucks for us. We appreciate. Yeah. It.
2: So, so was some of the boxes held back for the event last night? Was that the plan? You guys had some boxes for the event. Yeah,
1: of course. I mean, we of course we got a little more than exactly right. what the pre order right.
2: was. Right, know? right. So, right.
1: so they'll be uh, they'll be available in some of the stores, and um, we will we will be opening it up the rest of, of what we ordered uh, to the general public. And I, I believe it's next Friday. Um, although you will not be getting the, uh, the commemorative coin with that box. That was a uh-huh. special gift for those that pre-ordered nice. So, yeah, you know, I think it, uh I think it's going well so far. People have been raving. I enjoy it. I like it. You know, that's uh it's one of the nice things. The, the, uh, I love the blue, the blue is uh. You know, like, for the blue, for me, like, that's a great KMA cigar, but it's not going to last me the whole show. You know, it's just it's due to the size. Um, this got it's a little thin. more to
2: it. It's thin, so it will go a little faster, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: This this ain't going to last me the whole show. That's, that's, why, second went, that's why I went When with, I started uh, smoking Sokka at 15, 20, it's before we got on, so.
2: Right, right, right. I went Sokka Khan for the reason is to try Yeah, to yeah I got a
3: last trip to tomorrow.
2: Yeah. I, I'm a slow smoker, too, so. Yeah.
1: So uh, while we're here, just to change subjects a little bit, and and I didn't do it in the intro, let me do it now. I want to wish a happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there, including Steve as well. Happy Veterans Day as a veteran yourself. Thank you for your service, Steve.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thank you and everybody. I didn't do
3: much. I I was Reagan, Navy, just went around in circles and looked at Russian ships and subs. Yeah, Yeah. there was no like... uh, Line of death in Libya. Do you remember when Gaddafi was going crazy? Yes. Yeah, they, yes. Yeah. They actually, yeah. 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 But listen, he, here's,
1: the, he, here's my philosophy with that. Even the guys that don't do much. And it's the same thing for for cops and firefighters. I don't care when you're not doing much. It's that percentage of the time where I may need you to do much, that, 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 right. that, that's where you're in it. You know, oh, yeah. You're at something. risk. If you're, if you're in the right. service,
3: you're at risk. It's just a matter of what happens in the moment you know, current events. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, during that time, when I was in the Navy, we were very. When when, when did you go in, Steve? Um, I enlisted when I was 17 in 1983. So and then I was in from 83 to 89. I served six years um, on a a Knox class uh, fast frigate. It was a USS Canal FF 1056, which has subsequently been Sold to, I think, the Greeks, and then they sold it to the Turks, and now it's been scrapped into razor blades. I mean, it was an, it was an old Knox-class frigate, but it was an anti-submarine platform, and we spent a lot of time uh, at a home port. It was, uh, it was that whole era of the end of the Cold War and Reagan flexing, and we had a 600-ship Navy, and uh, anybody that served during that time, man, man you spent a lot of time on the water. There's no doubt about yeah. it
2: that was like around the time of Reagan really was starting to flex the muscle because Granada happened, in, I think in 83 and that was kind of the, one of the first missions he had, uh, since he had taken over. So then, you know, a lot of other operations would happen after that.
3: We also just had the Marines anniversary and those guys, you know, they got a, they got a tough gig, the Marines.
2: I gotta, yeah, absolutely. You know, I absolutely. Gotta give them a shout out. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Factoid. I, I actually tried to enlist. I couldn't, I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. Why? Uh, well, unfortunately, I uh, I had a few blemishes on my uh, on my life story by the time I was. They would take young. you now in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So here's the priori- so here, here's the thing. Steve. I tried to join when I was around 19, and and this is like 2001, 2002, and that's exactly what the recruiter said to me. Number one, I'm in a big city. I'm in Philadelphia. So it's it's essentially not far after 9/11. People are enlisting left and right. He said to me, you know, he said, look, maybe if we were in bumfuck Kentucky and the guy was like starving for recruits, they'd be able to make it happen. There's just too many people trying to get in right now. I can't. So, yeah, I miss my I missed my enlistment. That was my, uh, you know, things would have went my my way in life. I'd have been teaching uh, military history in West Point. That was my. Uh, oh, wow. That would have been cool. That would have been my thing. But yeah, there was just too many
3: recruits at the time. So you wanted to join the army? That was your intent?
1: I mean, I I tried the army first, and then I tried the Marines, and, and they said, don't even bother, like Navy, Air Force. If you can't get if you can't get in the Marines, you ain't getting
3: anywhere. So yeah, if if I knew what I know now, I would encourage people to enlist in the Coast Guard. Much nicer yeah. duty. You, sure. you don't you don't get deployed often. I mean, they have some long deployments, but it's very very rare when you're in the Coast Guard. Right. You end up in a lot of nice. uh waterfront uh, kind of duty stations that you stick yeah. around. Yeah.
1: Let's say, yeah, it's a good way to go, I guess. A safer way. So you went in 83. Yeah. How many, how many years did you do, Steve? Six years. Six years. Yep. Six normal? I thought it was like four years. Um,
3: six was, that was originally what your obligation was under selective service. And thank God I did the six years because had I not, I would have gotten called up probably for the, uh, for the first Iraq conflict.
1: Oh, really? I had already yeah.
3: served my full obligated yeah. service, so I wasn't a reservist. Whereas most of the time you enlist for four years, and then you'd have a two-year reservist obligation. Not an active reservist, but you were basically on call, already pre-committed. Yeah. And I think they've now increased that period to eight years now. Yeah. So oh, I think really. everybody's selective service is now eight years long, um, but they always grab the people that were in, that have gotten out, before they're ever going to go to drafting again. You know, the general public that's never been in. Right. Right. right.
2: Do, do you think Steve they'll ever go to conscription again? Because I think the military's gotten so specialized. I don't know if they can operate with conscription anymore.
3: It's it's hard to imagine it, us ever going to that model. But look. Let's, if the times are desperate enough, I guess then you yeah. ultimately will, right? I mean, we've been blessed that we haven't had an obligation like that for what is it, 50 odd years now? Yeah, where you had yeah. to actually enlist people. Um, so it, it's, it's, you know, I don't want to be talking in generalities, but people's sense of country and duty and obligation. Is so far flung from what it was before. I don't even know how they could do it, short I, of being at gunpoint. I really don't. I, 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 agree. I
2: agree. I agree. I mean, I have boys who are a little older than that. And I know their friends as well. The same. I think my boys. And I also think if, serve, if you just look yeah. at
3: modern warfare, short of you know the situation where you've got this urban, you know, kind of fighting, so much of it's more technical.
2: Technology, right, based, right.
3: You know what Grunt I mean. Front work isn't it's as prevalent. That's what, thats where I was going you with that. Need, so
2: specialized, you need, yeah.
3: You need people with like real skills and an education, you know, to operate the the equipment and the and the armaments and yeah. all of the things that we use now in modern, you know, warfare. So I, I think the days of hey, you know, we're gonna charge out of the trench, bayonets fixed. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to imagine that scenario.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: I don't know what this means. What does that mean, Steve? Do you know? DD
2: form 24. I don't know either.
3: It says honorable.
2: What is DD I don't know what the 214? question other than
3: that is. just says honorable discharge. I haven't looked at my DD 214 since I got out. What is that? It's a discharge paperwork? It's, it's the discharge papers. Okay. Yeah.
1: There you go, Tom. 24 years active duty. Six and a half years. GS12 Old Coast Guard, Tom Poser, our
2: guy. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Tom Smart. Same. Yeah. I guess I, I wasn't 17. I was dumb. I thought, oh, I'm going to join the Navy so I could see the world. You know, I yeah. got to see the world all right. <laughs> interesting. Very
1: interesting mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yes. Happy. Again, you know, thank you for your service, all the, the veterans out there. So. Wagashi, well, last night, you just kind of hanging a little bit today. You're uh, you said t- you're, you're kind of stuck here, huh? Cindy has you uh Cindy has you trapped. Yeah, she had
3: Ben in me. She's at the same basketball game that Abe's at watching Asher play. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I could Uber out, plan. I guess. I I got a credit card. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm so beat from last night. I'm just gonna sit in a chair and just play the whole job of the hut role. Right. There you go. <laughs>
1: there you go. Yeah. But well, this yeah,
3: is Smoke cigars and drink espresso.
2: There you, there go. you go. we go, you also, We
1: got a good college football crowd that comes, hangs
2: out. Yeah. Everybody orders pizza mm-hmm. and stuff. So we'll have Wait. some food here shortly, too. Yeah, yeah. You made another uh, small change, Steve, uh, Salida. So you're rebranding the yes. OG uh, Sober Mesa line, um, which I think, by the way, I, I like this move, by the way. I give said it kind the, of an identity. Yeah, we like this it, move it's, a lot. It's
3: necessary because when Sober Mesa was originally launched, it was that original Liga, and it was the only one. And then when we added brulee, you had sober mesa, brulee. And so now when you're trying to describe the original sober mesa to consumers, you end up using words like original, the old one, the, first the old one. one, the first yeah, one. Right. And none of these yeah. are very appealing. You know what I mean? I, yeah, it doesn't either. do justice to it. So I decided to add a, a moniker of Salita. It's a totally made up word. Um, just basically, in Spanish, they just add it to anything they want to make small. So it's little sun because it has the Ecuadorian Habano wrapper on it and it's sun grown. But in Ecuador, the cloud cover is very low in the valleys that you end up getting a a very diffused sun. That's why like um, Ashton VSG, they call it virgin sun grown. They're referring to that fact that there's the cloud cover that makes the sun softer and a few other things. But I won't get into all that. But I mean, so giving the regular Sober Mesa a separate tag just makes it easier for um, our retailers and for a lot of new customers. Because, look, we're still a small, young brand. Um, We're just being discovered by many, many consumers. Uh, And so it'll make it easier. And the other transition we're doing is we're uh, we're moving it into the smaller box count to make it identical to brulee. Mm -hmm. to make the lives of everybody easier because it's confusing this sober mesa comes in 13 count boxes and this one comes in 25 count boxes um oddly enough uh, i've had a lot of people say oh the price is going to go up prices go up yeah it did but it went up a year and a half ago because i was always planning on making this transition so you'll notice that the price on brulee and regular sober mesas are the same Mm -hmm. okay whether it's in the 25 or the 13 count box now and the only reason why the 13-count box took so long to do was because of COVID. Things got crazy, and the box makers were so jammed up. And if I needed a 1,000 boxes this month for Sober Mesa to make it in the half-count size box, I now would need 2,000 boxes, right? 3,000 boxes. Right, right, right. Like, I just I couldn't exasperate my already problem getting boxes, so I kept waiting, waiting, waiting. And now the box makers, they're still running behind, but they're not crazy behind like they were a year ago.
1: How's the um, how's the ink situation? Because I know ink was a nightmare
3: for a while. Yeah, ink has gotten that, better. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of those like it ain't it still ain't cheap, huh? No, nothing's cheap. Everything I can tell you right now. So, just a simple thing, um, you know, cigar bands that I would print like a quarter million of in the Netherlands were running like three cents. We're now we're now close to eight cents for that same cigar band, right? Just uh, costs just have the cost increase were slower in 2023. Inflation was slower for us, but it did not stop, right? It still continues and year after year, and it just keeps compounding. And I mean, the bad part is, you know, you as a manufacturer, you you have just, you have very few choices. You either lower the quality of the product so that you can save money to hold the price down. You, you end up raising the price to keep the quality of the product the same, or you just stop making the product Because it isn't financially wise to make it because it just, there's no way for it to be profitable. And those are the only three choices you have. There's, these are real hard costs. Like, I think one of the things a lot of consumers are very confused about for the manufacturer, when we raise prices, it's always because we're losing margin. It's not because we're trying to make more profit. In our perfect world, we would figure out what it costs to make something and it would stay that price forever. But what ends up happening is inflation just slowly chips in, chips in, chips in. So traditionally in our industry, other than like some of the companies like, you know, STG and DAB off the really big corporate companies, most companies would take a price increase like every two to three years, maybe like two points, two and a half points, three points to make up for the inflationary cost of the previous two to three years. Problem we had is uh, at our, we had inflation of close to right around, in 2021. We were running, uh, we were running over 10 points of inflation in 2022, and we're still butting into about 4% inflation here in 2023. For me, by my numbers, what I buy. Sure, every manufacturer is a little different, but and the thing is, these costs they have to go somewhere. So they either go lower quality product, and you see some brands that have become lower quality, right? That the I'm not naming them, but. Consumers that smoke some of these brands have seen some of these brands and they're paying less for them as a result, but they're trying to keep the price in a certain window. Or the other option you have is you have to raise the cost. And yes, it sucks. Just to put it into perspective, to give people an
1: idea, Steve, can you can you you mentioned it last night? Can you tell them what you spent just on sample of green colors for Wagashi?
3: Yeah, I spent a few thousand dollars because just I on samples. Just on, just on samples, just on ink samples to get the color right. of the band right. A few thousand but I'm dollars anal just like that. The- Most people just they get a band printed, and oh, I wish it was a little more this, you know what I mean. So that's that's part of me just being OCD, you know. Yeah, but, but Steve, yes, that's why people really will buy your
1: product without ever having it, Steve. Yeah. That's the difference. It's 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 you being anal. People know that that's why they'll buy a product well, because you want to get had it,
3: had it right it. the first time. Because what I'm hoping is I'm hoping I'm selling Magashi 10 years from now. So you have to put in the effort on the front end, and yeah, so you don't you don't make money in the beginning, but that's like any business, right? you you don't you very rarely make money at the start of any project you do, you know, and so it, it's just it's just part of your investing in hopefully a successful future.
1: And, you know it's the cost of doing business. I guess. you know, it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. That's for sure. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so you said people should expect, or other other retailers should expect to see Wagashi at. P- That's right. I forgot PCA is in March this year, huh? It, it's coming yeah. fast. It's I don't know here. if anybody else asked you, but what do you, Steve? Love, hate, don't give a shit. Whatever time
3: of year. Um. So it's kind of like uh, what is that uh, I can't think of the phrase we're about uh, you asked for it. I mean, we as an industry have been pushing for a spring PCA forever. It just makes more sense in the cycle when you think about it, because you have the PCA trade show. We're never ready with the product on time. Rarely. Okay. As an industry across the board, it ends up getting delivered two or three months, four months after the show. And the problem is when the show's in July, you have a lot of product that's landing in the back end of October into like early December. And that goes into the cold weather season for, you know, 90% of the country. So it's a really bad product release schedule. So by doing these orders in March, what you're hoping is that you'll now start seeing those products come into the marketplace in May, June, July, which is the best window of opportunity to see because cons- the thing is, when we do it the other way, we have no idea if the sales are down on the new brand because it's winter or because consumers don't like it. You know what I mean? So we'll now have a much better indication because there's enough time to get what we call turns, a retailer reordering and restocking the same product because their consumers have bought it. Um, We'll get some better indication. The downside of the spring thing is going to be that's when 90% of the retailers are coming out of their cold weather season where they all sold less. So they're going to come to the trade show with far less money that they're going to feel comfortable obligating themselves to. Than any time before um because i mean in our business i mean you're in south florida with smoke in your business is great in the winter the guys in phoenix is great southern california but everybody else we're all just kind of waiting for spring to break yeah when is spring gonna happen and when spring doesn't come until late it hurts and when spring comes a little early and guys can start you know firing up the grill and playing some golf and doing all these things outside um, they smoke more cigars So, it's it's going to be a mixed bag. I
1: don't
3: don't really know how it's going to work. And then the other thing that I can say as a manufacturer, I know that as organized as I try to be, I'm still running like a bat out of hell to make the one year to the next one year mark. This year, I have basically only eight months. So, I think, and this is speculation on my part, I think you're going to see a lot less at this PCA or you're going to see a lot more just demo only like a Rolex exhibition watch where you can't really buy the watch, but they're going to have a box on display and there'll be cigars in the box, oh, but right. the bands might not be finished. It probably the cigars in the box won't even be the blend. You know what I mean? It'll just be the wrapper that they intend on making. Cause uh, it's, it's a short, it's a short cycle.
1: Yeah. It is a short cycle, and that's interesting because even what you said, listen, a, a couple months afterward are are the guys that are on point. You know, sometimes we see P- PCA releases that are coming out nine months after the show. They're finally hitting shelves. And, and yeah. you know, for guys, for guys like yeah. us, it's like, oh, I mean, what the fuck? We got to create it. You know, it, it had buzz back in July. Now I got to create a whole new buzz for it and remind yeah. people what they were excited about nine months later. I wonder if being a short cycle, like you said, are we going to have you know situations where it's even more of that like you know we just got to get something out there and you know when it, when it's ready it's ready and then nine months
2: yeah several manufacturers told me they had releases planned for like the end of this year that they just said well we don't you know if we we're deferring them to pca next year because we just won't have anything else so the, what, what one told me is hey we're going to have it at pca but guess what we're going to be ready to ship it right after the trade show so you may see some of that actually faster, but I agree. Be, I think what Steve says is valid. You're definitely going to see other stuff, which is probably going to be like unbanded or just temporary bands or something like that. There was uh, a Pacencia last year at the trade show. They're 151. They didn't have the final bands on those, even. There they were temporary bands that were on those. Songs.
1: And that's just getting ready to hit. I think it just shipped this week. It just right? started
2: shipping. Yeah. If you look at the, the band because we all looked at the bands and, and like they're horrible. And then they told us, no, these are temporary we're gonna have much more embellished bands for uh, for when it's released, and that's what happened. Yeah, man, it's a tight schedule. Yeah, it is. It is. Steve, yeah, you it'll be better
3: it? next year because the show shifts into April, so right. April gets us where most of the country has hit real spring. Right. So I think right. it'll they're, be. They're I think that'll be a much better. You know, because look for us, it's a wholesale trade show, right? Um, so retailer participation and they're being willing to obligate to purchase product is a key part of the trade show, the way it's currently formatted. Um so it's, it's, it's I, I think, I think, like I said, we've all been asking for an earlier spring and we'll all be complaining about it come March when the retailers aren't opening their wallets the way they normally do. So if nothing's right. changed, we'll just be bitching. Cause that's what we do. We yeah. bitch professionally. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when is the the trade shows it's the the next year it's it's going uh New Orleans? Yeah is that right?
2: Yeah. And and in I in April. In April. Now I've heard they've committed to a minimum of one year of New Orleans, but some of the noise I'm hearing is it's probably I think gonna they stay two. Yeah, I think they're gonna do two because the problem I'm hearing is when they decided to move the trade show to the spring. Their, their options in Vegas have become limited because a lot of these shows are booked out in advance. They just happen to get the convention center this year. Uh, and the convention center is expanding and undergoing renovations, so that's probably what, what some of that's... So it may not be back in Vegas till 2027.
3: Really?
1: Yeah. That's, and that's, that's because of the date change, we think.
2: Date change limited their options, yeah, because uh, basically they had to make a decision... You know, and they don't want to, they don't want to, and I can't blame them from a business standpoint. They don't want to go back to the Venetian. You know, it wasn't good business for them, it sounded like. So they, they, you know, and There was, look, I got to be honest, the the overwhelm, the move of the trade show has been overwhelmingly positive of the feedback I've heard from the manufacturers. So my opinion doesn't matter here is what I'm saying. I, I, I don't like the move, but. I'm, my opinion shouldn't matter here. It, it's obviously a lot of people in the industry were very happy with this move. So I think it, it, that's good. Then, that If everyone's happy. I'm mean
3: indifferent. To it. I don't really care.
2: Yeah, I didn't like March is, as much as April. Yeah, March I thought was a bad time to have.
3: It. Yeah, March is rough. But I mean, moving the show to someplace different. The retailers that attend the trade show will still attend the trade show. Yeah. It wouldn't It wouldn't matter. It could be in Dayton, Ohio. You know what I mean? the yeah. the people that are really engaged in the industry the retailers that actually curate their products the ones that are more educated they're going to go to the trade show wherever it can possibly be my only issue with moving the trade show is it's very expensive as a manufacturer cuz you have to move all your booth and all your setup yeah. stuff to a different city so and, and that's look just like no one listens to me either my one comment to the pca board was hey we're gonna put us someplace different. Leave us there at least two or three years to help, you know, amortize this cost out because it's really expensive. Right. I mean,
1: you do TDA
3: too, Steve? Um, no, I'm not a member of TAA. I, uh, or not? I no, I'm never...
1: sorry. A uh, what the TPE?
2: TPA. TPA. Sorry. TPA.
3: Um, so we've done TPE for the last three years. Um, it's uh, it's a very well run show. I mean, it's also probably one of the biggest catalysts for the PCA finally moving this show earlier, right? Uh, I mean, I don't think if TPE existed, I don't think it ever would have moved. I think that... uh, Sorry about that. I think that... The thing is for TPE, it's 90% alternative products. Right. And a lot of the people that buy those alternative products, you know, the bongs and... The glass and you know, all the CBD and blah, 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 penis pills, whatever else they sell. Um, they have like stand-up humidors in their cigar stores. So they sell cigars, a lot of those retailers that are there buying the other stuff in their smoke shops. The thing is though, the type of brands they buy is they want something that's like a super well-known brand name. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Acid, Roman Julieta, or they want something that's like really cheap, like four dollars out the door bundle. So Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust makes nothing for these retailers at all. So the only retailers that we sell to at TPE happen to be our brick and mortar base accounts that say, hey, the weather sucks in Michigan. Why not go to Vegas for TPE in February and enjoy some good weather? And I'll do some work and business while I'm there. Um, But now with the PCA being moved to March, there's only like a six week gap. And I don't believe that retailers are going to go to both there'll be a few, but most are not going to go to TPE in Vegas to then return six weeks later to go to right. another bigger trade right. show. You know what I mean? It's, you know, when they were five months apart. Yeah. But I, so right. So I, I just don't think we'd have a lot of customers this year at TPE. Um, sure. So sense. we decided to just do PCA this year. Makes sense. Yeah. All right, folks, so we're going to take a quick
1: break. We'll be back more for hour two of uh, KMA talk radio where, uh, we're gonna test Steve's musical acumen. Uh, well, oh, it's the worst. <laughs> literally, you
3: just write, you, you you are wasting a segment. You have no idea. No, you're gonna get. it. I don't it. know it.
1: I feel like this is this is one you'll get. But we'll get there. We'll be right yeah, back. Folks,
2: <laughs> and it's more gonna again. be
0: a disaster. <laughs> Phenomenal!
4: Phenomenal! 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 My name is Rafael Nodel from Aging Room and Tabacalera USA. Since I was a little kid, I fell in love with a musical form called sonata. There are many famous sonatas from fantastic composers and musicians like Beethoven, Liszt, Rachmaninoff, Mozart, and I wanted to have my own sonata. So I dedicated my sonata to Nicaragua, but I didn't write my sonata with musical terms. I composed my sonata with tobacco leaves. I teamed up with my great friend and tobacco master, AJ Fernandez. And together, together we created these blends. This cigar has subtle notes. It's not aggressive, it has some great flavor, some character, and amazing aroma. So I dedicated my sonata to Nicaragua, the land of volcanoes and lakes. Cheers.
3: Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes.
0: I'm Steve with the GOAT to tell you about Smokin's Cigar of the Month Club. Alex, tell our fans out there why our club is the best darn club out there. Absolutely. I'll tell you why. Because every month, I personally handpick five premium cigars. No filler, no fluff, no fugazzi These are all premium, handmade, name brands that you can find in any brick-and-mortar store in your area. All delivered to your door for $34.95. And our average monthly retail value since the inception of our club has been almost $57. Another great feature about our Cigar of the Month Club, Alex, tell them about the ease of our Cigar of the Month Club. Sure. I'll tell you, I hate subscription services. It's always a pain to cancel them, turn you know, turning them on. We've made it super simple. All you gotta do is log into your account. There's a little green button there. If it's green, you're active. You want to take a break going out of town, simply hit the button and you'll deactivate your membership. Want to turn it back on? The exact same easy process, you can turn it right back on. We've made it that easy for you. Another great feature is our double down club. Alex, tell them about the double down club. We had so many of our members reach out to us, who really enjoyed our selections every month, they wanted to know there was a way they can get two. And we've made that very simple. With a simple check mark, you can get double this great selections every month and save $10. Does our club have perks? Of course it have perks. You want to tell them about the perks? As a member of our club, every month there's a special discount code where if you like any of the selections, we will offer them to you so you want to come and get some more, you can get them at a special discounted rate for our Cigar of the Month Club members. And finally, expedited shipping. Tell them how fast we get the stuff out, Alex. We get the stuff out on the 28th of every month. Our membership bills on the 28th, and we get every member's package out on the 28th if it's a shipping day. Five great reasons on what makes Smoking Cigar of the Month Club the best club out there. Check it out. Peace. Hey, I, uh, I really appreciate you doing the video with me. Thanks.
1: Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I mean, you didn't let me get a word in, but...
0: What? Mm-hmm. <sighs> was well, great. It's perfect.
1: Welcome back to KMA Talk Radio. This is hour two. I am still here with the crew, William Cooper and special guest Steve Saka joining us this morning. Gentlemen, we actually have a uh, special guest coming in reporting live from courtside. Abe is here to give us the scoop on the basketball situation. Abe!
0: Hey, they're just getting ready to start. Just getting
1: underway, right? Just getting underway?
0: Yeah, it was picture day here, so it's a fucking zoo here. (laughs) <laughs> um last soccer game. It's like Brandy got here like five minutes ago, dropped off Cindy and the kids and been looking for parking for the last like ten minutes. Um
1: just, Brandy's just looking the park right now. It's that big yeah,
0: of yeah. Wow. I got here early for the pictures and then you know the game starts. Oh, there she is. I'll be inside in two seconds. Um where's the freaking like the third green screen we bought you? What do you mean, bro? This is the green screen. This is yeah, right. what do you mean. Yeah, right. Bro, what do you mean? Dude, you are so stupid.
1: What do you mean? You are so
0: stupid. <laughs> this is
1: a green screen.
0: You are so fucking stupid. That's fucking hilarious.
1: It's all right. I got, I got, look, look at how nice that desk is behind me.
0: Bro, that's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. So this
1: is, uh, Second or third game of the year?
0: Third game. They're one and one so far. I man, I was watching the game before us, man. I'm telling you, man, it's like better than watching fucking college basketball. These kids are fucking amazing.
1: You say the games have been tight, huh?
0: Bro, it's nuts. It really is nuts. Yeah, I, 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 this is a great season for them, man. I, got, I can't believe what a difference from one age level to the next age level has made. Because like last year, I couldn't stay awake during these games. They didn't keep score. Kids, you know, half of them didn't even know what a dribbling was and like these kids are dribbling behind the back at this year it's in this level it's really insane. Good shit. So, Steve, I'm surprised. I'm glad you made it this morning. you were feeling Yeah bro of- so you were Steve
1: you were kind of a bad host man. You let Steve stay all night. He's a little banged up this morning. We got him he jacked up taking on pictures on caffeine, of me drunk and, and posting
3: <laughs> them on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I could he like, like, didn't, like, didn't like draw a penis on my forehead or any bullshit. I was sober enough to not let any of that it was bullshit. coherent. It was coherent. Yeah.
0: All, all I know is Cindy Cindy showed up and she's like, How's he doing? I said, eh, he's like maybe 7.5. She's, like, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I'm tired, and I was hoping he'd drive home and said, No, that ain't happening. <laughs> now wasn't gonna happen. But it was a fun night. Always good to see Steve and the Dojo guys. I got locked in the office for a little bit last night, but I walked out and everybody was still there. And, uh, it was a good thing, man. It, it, dude, is it is it not November here, Alex? What the f is with this weather?
1: Yeah, I know. We said it last night. Even sitting outside, man, We're bro. Still, uh... I,
0: it, this photo day, this photo day is in the soccer field. Not one ounce of shade. Not a fucking tree within fucking fifty yards, bro. Looking to fucking line up kids, take pictures. And then I had yeah, to come I mean, back that's... out here. I found a little corner, a corner where it's shady. You know, it's just like fucking hot as hell out here for November.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm sure people will, you know, boo <clears through throat> us. But uh, listen, it's still hot for us. We like the uh, the small breaks and the
2: heat that we get. And we haven't got it yet. Last week when I was in Miami, it wasn't that hot at all. I mean, it was in the low 70s. We had a couple nice weeks. But then yeah. you get a weekend
0: like this where it's like, what? Where? Are I? it's not November.
3: Where I'm from, it was 29 degrees and sleeting when we got on the plane, so stop your whining. Listen,
0: that was your choice to live in Siberia. uh,
3: No, no, no. It's my wife's choice. Let's be clear. Oh, well, you know.
0: Uh, I think you like it. You like it. You like it up there.
3: In a perfect world, I'd love to be able to snowbird it, but it's just not possible to have a company and do that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's tough. And then, boo! You got a big month. You're all over the place this month, yeah. Me? No, Saka. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, actually, I'm almost done. I've, I'm here. And this has been like my third week in a row. And then next week, I'm going to uh, visit a couple of our friends in Ohio, and then uh, going to go up to uh, uh, the the Dick Brooks place, uh, huh. Eggplant you Boy. We're going to go see Ronnie at Secreto. It'll be a There'll be a big shindig. It's been, uh, you know, every, everybody like assumes I'm like like always with him. I haven't been in a store in over four years.
2: So, oh, yeah, it's not a
1: store. In,
3: I
2: was like going to say, it, it, yeah, he yeah. hasn't had a store.
3: Yeah, it, it's kind of quasi-opened at this point.
0: <laughs> well, at this point, I got driplets starting to go down my uh, shinesties. So, uh, I'm going to head back inside and catch the beginning of the game. All right, you got it, Abe. All right, Abe, we'll catch you you next week. Yo, Yo, Asher. Everybody have a a great weekend, man. We'll catch you. I'll be back next week.
2: Uh, Sounds good. Peace. Peace.
1: All right. So that was Abe live from almost courtside, getting ready for Asher's game. Now it is time to test Steve's musical and Coop's musical acumen with our segment sponsored by
3: Avo Cigars. Can we go back champ. to am I smarter than a porn star or whatever? <laughs> ah, listen,
1: I don't, I don't have any porn stars. I stood a home home chance
2: home. in that one. This, <laughs> you guys have no idea. The, this he, is a disaster. You've got to nail this, this one. People. Trust we'll
1: see. me. We'll see. Let's get started. right steve so here's the deal you're gonna get a few seconds you know you know you know how this works what i will tell you is this comes from my one of my curated playlists this this falls under my feel good music genre so i don't know maybe you're in there maybe you're not we'll see it's popular at least i think it is but here we go here's your chance to name that jam
3: Oops, got it right yeah. away. I got it. Yeah, I mean, it's a big, popular song in the '80s. I remember, I've, I've heard it a million times, but and I apologize to my friends at Ava for really ruining their segment. Oh, <laughs> I, <understand. laughs> I had no clue that you're, this you're is what a, I was going to be. You're there. About. You're there with, with what this one is. It's not like, I, it's not like I've never heard it, but I've never stayed up with music or pop culture. If you ask me, who I always ask Cindy, who's that actor? You know what I mean? Literally, I'm the worst when it comes to this. So.
2: Goku, win. And can you okay. name it? You could call me out by Paul Simon.
1: That is correct. You, you can call me out by Paul Simon.
2: I can call you, Betty,
0: and Betty, when you call me. You call me out.
1: Call me out. Um, you know, weird thing. Nobody calls me Al in Florida. Like, that's my name. I don't know if it's just a North thing, but my name's Alex. It's always been shortened to Al. Nobody calls
2: me Al. Nobody calls me Al in Florida. But you... You you were called Al up in Philadelphia. Yeah, of course. Al. Al. Al Al was a common nickname in the Northeast. I had an Uncle Al. My friend's father was Al. Right. Um, right. Anything. Alfred, Albert.
3: it's It's the Latin Latin. influence. Because, yeah, Latins don't shorten Alex to Al. So... Therefore, I think that's the reason why, because you have so many Central and South Americans in South Florida that they're just more used to saying Alex. Right, right.
1: Everybody is. Uh, I'll give you an interesting factoid about that song, for those that don't know. That song actually came about, uh, Paul Simon was at a party and um, he was with a, there was a French composer there who was mistakenly referring to him and his wife Peggy at the time as, as... Betty and Al, rather than than uh, Peggy and Paul, and hence uh, the guy decided to write a whole song about it. So that is where "You Can Call Me Al" came from. He was mistakenly Paul Simon mistakenly called Al.
2: Yeah, you know that album was was a big like it. It, it was very. Um, it didn't do well commercially at first, but it was very highly critically acclaimed, and it started. You well, know, it was winning the Grammys, and then that song came out, and the album started getting some momentum. Mid 80s, right, Coop? 86, I think 86, 87, this was. I want to say 86 was Grace was Graceland came out. And it was a very different album for Paul Simon. He was working with the whole South African musicians and everything. It was something completely different that we had seen before.
1: Interesting. Well, that was uh Name That Jam, sponsored by Avo Cigars, who Oh wait, there's only one.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's only one, bro. We only put you on the spot for Thank one. God. You're
1: good. You're good. <laughs> you're, you're good. you're good. You're good. You're so, good. So listen, we have and we have we have segments that are much harder than name that jam. We start getting into known for and that stuff. So we spared you. Yeah, we, we spared, spared you to
2: that those known that known for segments tough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Steve, you've
3: been running ragged. You're all over the yeah. place. Twenty twenty three is a really rough year.
1: 2023 was rough. I mean, we we can see it. You're you're everywhere. You're not you're not a young guy. Um, when do you get time for rest, man?
3: It's something. Look, it, it's really hard to. I mean, from the outside, we obviously are doing really well, and we are doing well, but it requires an awful lot of work. I think that uh, I don't think people really understand, you know, how much is required to try to grow a small little company in a highly, I mean, we're in just such a highly competitive space. It's, it, it's a tough one. So I don't know. You just keep, you just, you put your shoulder down and you just keep plowing through, right? What else can you do? I mean, you don't really have a choice. Uh, we're, we're actually going to have a meeting. We have our first company meeting in December. We've gone eight years and we've never sat around a table and had a real meeting. You know, it's just not the type of company we are. And we're going to have our very first one in December to kind of talk about, you know, what do we want to do as a business? You know, do we want to continue growing at this crazy rate? Do we want to maybe take a year and just kind of let things stabilize a little and keep a little bit of money? You know, because the problem is when you're growing, you're investing in more tobacco, you're investing in more inventory, you're investing in more everything. So when you're growing at a certain pace, you're more broke. You're just, but you know, and it was, it was the same thing we went through when I was with Drew Estate. I mean, we're doing $55 million a year and we're like, can we make payroll? You know what I mean? It's crazy, but right. you just, you got right. so much cash on the street committed. So we're going to have our first, um we're going to have our first kind of like, Hey, let's, let's powwow about it, you know, because it affects the employees because you start adding a lot of employees It ends up meaning that, well, then everyone's going to get a little less bonus. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, Is it it better to, you know, be overworked and small and everybody get a bigger slice of the pie? You know, so I I, I want to have a conversation. In the end, I'm going to make the decision about what I want to do. But I actually do want to sit down and talk to everybody together because we're that type of company. We're small enough. In the end, I'm always going to decide to do what I do. But I, I do want to hear. The you input's what nice, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to yeah I I hear what they think. I, I want to hear their feelings. I want to, I want to discuss. And you know, another thing that's really odd about our company is um, everybody in our office knows how much we're selling, how much we're spending. I mean, my employees even know what's in the operating bank account. You know what I mean? We don't. It's so transparent across the board. There's no secrets, you know. And uh, so it's 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 a very small, tight team. How, how many times a year are you in Nika? Mm, so normally I like to be in Nika 10 to 11 times a year. Um, this year I haven't been there as much. This year so far I think I've only made seven or eight trips in. So um, next year I'm going to be in Nika for probably about 20 of January's days and probably 10 or 15 of February. Um, that's a really, really busy time. Because all the tobaccos coming out of the fields, it's being hung in the barn. You got the second planting beginning, so it's a really critical time. Plus, Pearl Sabor is in the middle of that, so I'll have to take three, four days off to do the the Nicaraguan cigar festival. And then after that, I tend to like to go about a week of every month. But uh, I'm not as critical on some things because um, my daughter-in-law, Anna, Anna Gonzalez is Anna gonzalez Saca? She married my eldest son, and she was my assistant in Nicaragua for seven years, actually worked at the factory level. So she knows everything. You know, She's not making brands or business, but when it comes to the cigar production, factory operations, quality control, checking the leaf to make sure the leaf is what it's supposed to be for that particular blend or product, she, she's 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 really on top of it. So she started to take some of that load off me. Um, so so the months that she's pretty much there almost every month at this point.
1: Your eldest is John, or am I in left field? Yeah, John's our eldest. That is that John I met in Miami with you once. Yes, I think, right when you guys were heading over? Yeah. Speaking of Nika trip, that was a that was hard times Nika huh? during the COVID. During yeah, it was the COVID a disaster.
3: Times. What a pain in the ass. He had to fly to Florida. You had to get the COVID test here. You had to get it with a certain time. So you ended up spending at least two days in Miami right. to get the test done and get it processed to then take another flight. It was yep. on, you know, a bushwhack airline. I won't name it, but it sucked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you did COVID test to come back to the States out of NECA. Yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was much harder. And the thing is, if you didn't get your paperwork in the right time and like you had a delay and you're like being routed through mexico city you could actually get caught in mexico city needing a new covid test that's oh, because you yeah, ran no. out of the window that you were approved to travel to be able to get out yeah yeah because i mean yeah it was because uh, the test was only valid for 72 hours yeah it's uh yeah those wild times wild yeah, times. i don't i don't miss it at all i'm i'm glad we're back to traveling i mean yeah, wish the yeah. prices were better i mean Prices. Yeah, now that
1: that's the new, oh, it's awful, it's awful. Between, it's, like I said, airlines and and we talked about it last night. Names of hotels too. Uh, hotels
2: are out of control. Uh, I I can't believe the airfare to Europe right now because we're we're trying to plan our Europe trip in for next September and it's expensive to go to Europe right now and by air. Yeah. Yeah. I never.
3: Have you, have that you booked a place to stay yet? No, you're going to be uh, in shock of the hotel rates.
2: I know. Uh, we're we're gonna go. The plan is we want to go to Austria the week before. Uh. The um, inner to back, so it's uh yeah we we, so we we're trying we, we want to nail all that down by the end of the year for that reason. Yeah, it was, I'm not surprised if the hotels are expensive.
1: Yeah, man, it's not cheap to do uh, anything these days. No, no, it's whether not. It's, it's... Whether it's hotels, flying, or just ordering
2: some damn food, it ain't know... cheap. When I went to Mexico City last year it was dirt cheap to go there. The hotels are cheap, the the food, the restaurants aren't expensive. The airfare was about normal. Like it was about $600 for me to go from Charlotte, but but yeah, Mexico City was was very inexpensive to go to and it was I had a good time down there.
1: D, well, last year you think that was just part of like, you know, them trying to get people back to going places. Maybe,
2: maybe yeah. Maybe yeah. But you know, Mexico City's it's a huge city. It's like New York size. So um and I was in some very nice areas of the city. Um and I remember the Ritz Carlton had like rates like two hundred dollars a night That's to go to the, the Ritz Carlton. I mean that's wild. It was it was crazy. <laughs> yes,
3: I can't stay at the Hampton Inn down the street from <laughs> Literally, the, the, uh, the, That's the, right. what I was saying, yeah. That's right. uh, like, it's like three bills no. plus the
2: right. fine the fine to smoke in my room was only forty five dollars, by the way, for the whole really? stay. Yeah, wow. I. It's I, money I well spent. Oh, it was very well spent. You know, I I, I double and triple checked that with downstairs. you sure it's, it's these amount of pesos? They're like, yeah, it's $45. I'm like, done deal. I'm smoking in my room. All right. All right, Steve. Let's do it. New England Patriots.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a
3: disaster.
2: No, the Giants are a disaster. New England isn't yet. Look, They'll fix it.
3: As a New England fan, I mean, I was a fan way back in the Steve Grogan days, right? So, I mean, we—I've seen a lot of bad New England Patriots football before because I started. I was a fan from about 1984-85, right? So we we had a lot of ugliness there. We did get to that Super Bowl to get our asses kicked um, by the Bears, if I remember correctly. But uh, I mean, but look, we got very spoiled. We had 20 years of excellent football. Right, Just incredibly high level, well executed. We got really, really spoiled. We knew when Brady left. I mean, yeah, you have your delusional New England fans, but you have delusional fans everywhere, right? Right, But I think the vast majority of us were kind of like, okay, this is going to be rough. We're going to have two, three years. It's a total rebuild. I think the part that's so upsetting is here we are four plus years later and it just feels like the team's just regressed at every single level. It's just – it's – obviously, you want your team to win, but as a fan, what you really want is you want to see them play well and get beaten, right? If you're in the game and you're playing well and you're doing your thing, you're like, okay, you know, we didn't win, but we played well. I can't say that the Patriots – have played well in any single game. Well, those first two couple where they were, like, in it with the Eagles and they were in it with uh, with Miami, the, it was better. But the seven games since have been just utter crap, even the ones we won. And uh, it's uh, it's a mess, and you got everybody questioning everything. Now, last I checked, out of the 53-man roster, 22 people are on the injured list, right? So we have a lot of starters out. Uh, Mac Jones, he just makes the worst decisions at the worst time, you know what I mean? It's like it's like it's like Brett Favre without the good parts of Brett Favre, right? Yeah, so you yeah. got the terrible boneheaded interceptions from Brett Favre, the bad decisions, but he was also all the right. guy that could march you down the field and win a game, you know, with just two or three passes. So we got all the bad part of Brett Favre and none of the good part of Brett Favre, you know. And I, I feel bad even mentioning Brett's name and the name Mac Jones, but <laughs> just kind of is a, try to no, no. exemplify it. I mean, yeah, it, it's an utter mess. And you got people, you know, now saying they want Belichick to go, you know, but Oof. it's just.
2: Well, it's I think Belichick and this is a bad year. I think he's entitled to a bad year. I mean, I know there were some years that weren't great, but this is a bad year. I would give him the bad year and give him one more year after this. I mean, he's been there for a long time and he, he can win. You know, you can win. They've got to make some changes. I think, changes. They, I think I the
3: diehard fans agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, look, the internet's never a way to judge anything, right? Because you're always seeing the one percenters that are, hey, put his head on a spike, guys. Yeah. Um, I, I think the problem, too, is we also just know how dismal it is because, you invested in this quarterback hoping he was going to be the next one. I'm not going to get another Tom Brady. Let's just write that off, right? I mean, it's not, so right. The, the number of players that come around like that are so rare. I mean, I think in his case, incredibly rare. And we all know it's just a combination of work ethic and dedication in a way that very few modern rich athletes are willing to do after they win championships. He's a freak of nature in that way.
2: But, but we ended people, up with a yeah. real
3: dud, It appears.
2: But how know? many people said it was a great like wow the Patriots got up and got Mac Jones? I mean everyone was it just didn't work out? I I, I can't. He was runner up for rookie
3: great- of the year in his first yeah. season, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. uh, He went to the Pro Bowl his first season, and it's just but he's looked perpetually worse. Every year since yeah.
2: he's also gone through multiple offensive coordinators, which if you look at the history of football, yeah, that's a bad thing isn't
3: on the field when you're throwing that boneheaded. And I get it. I get it. I agree. I get it. You can say all that, but I mean, we've had so many crippling interceptions that are just made because he makes a really bad decision instead of eating the ball. You know, I, I mean, look, I don't all blame right. it on quarterbacks when you get the, the the touch interception it comes off the hands of the receiver right sure that's fluky that happens he was there maybe he didn't throw the ball perfect but it was there but I'm talking about like literally he's like targeting somebody else's cornerback and passing them the ball right? <laughs> it's like I mean th- just the last game I mean that that interception at the end was just like are you kidding me and even him you saw him on the field he literally dropped to his knees and he put his head on his helmet. In despair, because he's like, oh, my God, it happened again. I did it again. Right, happened. right, right. It's brutal. Uh, yeah, it's tough. Listen,
1: I, I'm kind of in the opposite boat, man. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles play like shit, but win somehow. I mean, they've been uh, – you know, every game is a heart attack. Somehow yeah. they have the best record in the NFL, but, I mean, every game is just like uh, – we, we it's like we try to lose games. But –
3: Team we right win. now that's so impressing me is the Bengals. I mean, they had a rough beginning of the season. Yeah, they the last three four games, last three games in particular, they've looked really sharp and really clean. I mean, I know they're to the bottom of their division, but their level of play has been really exceptional the last three weeks. And if they continue on that path, I think I think they're going to take over that division. I mean, listen, man,
1: they got a they got a big time quarterback. That's for sure. That's for sure. So and he smokes cigars. Be...
3: I mean, and God he's, bless him. Right? He's a he's a, real he's a real cigar, cigar smoker. He's a real
1: cigar guy. Yeah, yeah, he's which, not yeah, one, he's one of those
3: posers for pictures after the game right. and it's, the losses it's backwards and backwards. And you know, and and, and, you know. yeah, no, he's, he's a he's like a legit cigar smoker. So shout out to Mr. Burrow.
1: Shout out to Joe Definitely. Burrow. Definitely. All right. Well, it's about that time. It is uh time for us to get into the man who always has the scoop it's time for the scoop with coop hey yo what's my theme music
0: the scoop with coop breaking industry news here at first on kma talk radio and cigar hyphen coop.com all
1: right cooper it's your show
2: all right, uh, I got four stories this week, and we're going to start off with, we have STG news, and then we have an STG release of the week news. So we're officially, STG's officially ahead of Paul on the, uh, you know. Yes. Yeah, just see so you yes. know. Yeah, so, and, and and for folks who don't know, we're tracking STG release, consecutive weeks STG as a release, versus consecutive weeks Paul is on the show. Yes, yes. Okay, yes. So, so I,
1: yes. I think Paul won the last round. He, he won the last, r- the last round, but now we are. He, Starting with yeah, fresh Paul is out, and we already know he's out for next week, and STG yeah. will already have one on the so board.
2: If STG has a release next week, then they're, they're yeah. two up on Paul, yeah. So. Yes. yes, Yep. yep. <laughs> so uh, STG, the parent company, uh, which is not just General and Fords, but it's um, the European division and the retail stores, um, they reported their earnings uh, for um, the last quarter, and uh, they reported a 3.9% reduction in net sales so um yep yeah, you could see that there um they're they're kind of saying what they did is in the last quarter they adjusted their earnings guidance right which is because of there were market conditions exchange rates uh a lot of things they factored so they they were kind of expecting this to happen in this quarter right now so in terms of it it's kind of in line with the revised guidance it's still never good news to the shareholders when you have when you have a net reduction and when you have a net sales uh reduction but uh they're down 3.9 percent right for the last quarter which may oh. be an indication of the overall market right now
3: i have a comment on that not seeing the underlying numbers i mm-hmm. don't really know how they computed them but just as a snapshot you're not down 3.9 percent because you don't just got to take into consideration they've had tremendous price increases over the last two years so that's three point nine percent down with those price increases. So they've been yeah. getting paid way more money yeah. per unit because of inflation. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, you're right. You're one hundred percent right. Three point nine doesn't sound so bad, but if you st- again, I'm speculating. I don't know the underlying numbers, but just seeing a snapshot like that, it's actually it's it's it's, it's a bigger number than I think most people actually realize. You well, know, and I don't yeah. mean to say that the poor fuel on STG. Because they don't deserve it. It's. I mean. I think. I think. I think most companies are down in 2023. Many retailers are. Many manufacturers are. You're coming off the COVID boom. You know I mean, the world's not falling apart. There's a few exceptions to the story because you know they're just in a really rapid growth period, so they're bucking it. But it's definitely been a softer year. There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah. No. It definitely has been. You know, and a lot of companies like STG is one of the few companies we we get earnings from uh that's what i was going to say bit. it seems like scg is the one that we, we well because they're publicly tra- because they're publicly traded so right. that's what that's what they have to do it Davidoff does an annual release so they give some numbers with that but really as far as everyone else goes you're not seeing the numbers so i i think you know i think steve's point's totally valid in this case that, yeah it's probably it's indicated across the board here it's not just the pick on STG here they're the totally ones that have brilliant. to that release that
1: But are those numbers kind
2: of used as a barometer for the rest of the industry? I would say they are. Yeah, I would say, I I would definitely say they are. Yeah.
3: And the other thing too, is you gotta understand when they're down, it means they're going to become more aggressive. So their sales and their marketing is going to become more aggressive. Their discount programs to get units on the shelves are going to become more aggressive. I mean, it, it, it has a definite effect. I mean, they're, they're one of the largest players in our industry. Right. I don't know where the exact number is right now between them and our friends at Altidus, but they're there. Right. Yeah. Them, Altidus, Swisher. These are the these are the big houses at this point. I don't I mean, Davidoff dollar wise, yeah, because the product's so pricey, but unit wise, they're not they're not in the same competitive
2: market as those three operations. No, they're definitely not. They're definitely not um, for sure. You know, and I I'd like to kind of I don't have the breakdown how it is per business unit, but I kind of would like to see what General and Fords and Cigars International and what those are numbers look like a little closer, because uh, really for for what we talk about on the show, it, it's General Fords and maybe some of Cigars. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure,
3: sure the reporting is all there again because they're publicly traded. Yeah, yeah have I, haven't, I haven't. I haven't seen. It. Just have to dig yeah, in in have, the numbers.
2: Yeah, I haven't looked into the detail of that to be honest with you. But I am curious to see, because that would probably be a little more... Because don't forget, STG has non-premium products in this thing, too. So it's not just premium. But it, it premium cigar is a big part of that business worldwide. So that is, that is your uh, STG financial report. <laughs> uh, but we do have an STG release of the week, um, which is the... Uh, now, we, Alec Bradley counts, right? Because they're part of... Uh, Bradley counts. Alec Bradley counts. So the fine and rare is... Uh, En route to retailers, if it's not there already, it's the uh, BCN 143. This was shown at the PCA. That's actually the nice looking box. Nice looking go- box. I yeah, didn't like the bands as there. much. I didn't like the bands as much as in the past, but the box is very nice. Um, and um, this is the cigar. that has ten tobaccos in it, and they actually wanted to time the release for today, which is November 11th, which is the anniversary of the first fine and rare that was released back in 2000. 2000- 11. So, um, th- you could definitely get your hands on this one. Uh, it's gonna be a I think it's gonna have about a $25 price point on that. So, oh, they're going up,
1: huh?
2: Yeah, they're going up, but you know, for Ford's – forge the Ford side of the house, most of that stuff has been more reasonably priced. So, this is definitely a more premium offering on the Ford side. General has Cohiba, which has a much higher, they have much more higher prices there. But Ford, they were focusing a lot more on value at the trade show, but this was with the more premium offering they had. Is that so, a
3: serialized uh, product? I thought I saw the box number of. Is that the way, yes. like, 2,300, 2,300, yeah. 2,500?
2: Yes. Yep. And okay. what, what they do with Fine and Rare is they, um, they, they come out with a different blend every year, maybe a different size, but they don't necessarily come out with a new blend every year. And on that box, I think it says, if you look, it says first issue. So this is yeah, a, right. this is the first but there have been other blends that they've issued they've reissued with different vintages of tobacco as well. So, so it's kind I, of a I fun to start
3: things but this concept of the competition between Paul and STG releases has STG released a lot of things over the course of this year I'm oh like I'm God. in my own little hellhole so I don't know what's going on.
2: Do you have we, a total coop or a rough total? It's over 20 weeks we've done this year for sure. Maybe wow. 25. I have to kind of go. I'm going to go back and kind of tally that at the end of the year. But, Steve, they there was, I think, last year, I want to say about 45 to 48 weeks they had a release coming out. And a lot of these releases I get are limited and, and stuff like that. But it's still a lot they're peppering the retailers with, with, with this. Every week, something coming out. Yeah, but I mean, I just, how
3: many brands are in the STG portfolio? I mean, you're employing thousands and thousands of people. You have yeah. dozens of brands, you know. I mean, yeah, it doesn't surprise me, right? Every yeah. brand manager that's responsible for a certain portfolio, he's got to make his mark that year, right? Yeah, to yeah. you know, to prove his worth. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're, I think it's, I think it's very common that you're going to see a lot of these releases from these large companies
2: and yeah. a lot of staff. <laughs> no, they do, um, they definitely do, you know. And, and what SCG does, like, Drew Estate in recent years, they've, they've tended to bunch their releases to one time of the year. They're getting away from that now. But SCG's kind of uh, – since especially since they went away from the trade show, they've been spreading the releases out all year. But if you went to an SCG trade show when general back in, like, 2015, you'd go, you'd go there. There's, like, 40 new releases at the show. It was insane. So they're, they're spreading. So they, it's not anything new they're doing. It's just more spread out. Got it. Yeah.
1: Question, Coop. Question, just – where do you think
2: Forge fares in compared to general? Um, I still think it's the it's the it's the stepchild. Forged. Um, forged. Yeah. Even because, with like Alec Bradley and Room One Hundred One now, it's still. Yeah, but it, it, it's newer. It is newer, right? So it's going to take some time to kind of de- to develop those. But you have like you have like Trident, you have Punch, Huyton, Monterey, CAO. Right cohiba macanudo you're going up against right so so there's all those are very very tried and true uh humidor staples over the years so fords it's going to take a while and that's why i think you saw alec bradley in room 101 go to this side of the house right now because they it gives them a little more they move some other brands into fords like gloria and partagas but they've been they haven't been staples like the ones i mentioned on the general side of the house
3: So, LaGloria is in the Forge portfolio. I didn't know that.
2: LaGloria is in Forge. Yeah, LaGloria Parties went into Forge. Yeah.
3: That probably serves as their anchor product, you know, to. Because when I look at Forge, I look at it as a developmental offshoot, right? As a company. It gives you internal competition. And again, because they're so large and they manufacture so many and they have so many brands, I think there's some wisdom to splitting it apart like that. A little bit of separation lets you be a little more experimental. Let you, I mean, where I love Matt Booth, but where does he fit into the STG corporate hierarchy? You know what I mean? There's, right. there's no box you're putting Boofy in, right? No, so, no, you know, no. It kind of I mean, gives a home to have that kind of flexibility and do these things.
2: Yep. Same with the Ruben boys now over there; it gives them a little more flexibility as well. Um, you know, but I've noticed that Ford's really at this past trade show they had a lot of offerings under ten dollars this year, which was, which was surprisingly in today's market it was still a big surprise they were really focused on value value cigars this year so with the exception of this was one or there were a couple i think there was a room 101 that was uh, the 14th anniversary was higher too but for the most part they were they were focusing on value prices interesting stuff yep, yep. what else you got for us uh third story is uh this comes from Black Label Trading Company. I know this is a brand you, you guys have been seeing more of at um, Smoke In, and this is this year. Black Label Trading Company is it's one of the Oveja Nejar brands owned by James Brown. Black Label was the first one he's released, uh, his first brandy released. and it's the tenth anniversary of that that brand. So uh, there is a sampler set called the Black Album Anthology. Uh, this is a really cool set. It's got a uh, basically, it's got all the a lot of the limiteds that Black Label has released uh, over the past 10 years of being brought back in there. Um, there are 10, I think 10 different blends in this thing. I'm just doing my count. No, no, nine different blends um, on here. Um, and just like I said, this is the stuff that's not regular, ongoing. By the way, if you read the Coop article, the press release was missing one of the blends, so the Cooper, we I actually caught that one. I'm, uh, they had one blend that was missing from the list, uh, which There's was no Nevada. neon
3: tiger in there, huh?
2: Yeah, not, I, don't, I don't. think I
1: see
3: it.
2: No, it's not neon tiger. At, first off,
3: that's a very cool sample. Kudos to yeah. our friends at Black Label. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're into Black Label, you got to have one of those, right? This no is, doubt about it. Yep. $300, $300 I want my neon tiger in there too. I feel a little bit. I feel a little robbed. I get my neon tiger there,
2: James.
3: <laughs> Angel, what yeah. are you doing to me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, they got, they got some good ones in there. Um, you know, they got the. You know, so definitely uh, check that out. That's shipping as of now. So, uh, and they're actually, I think retailers can break it up, and the SRP is twelve fifty per cigar, but the box, which has twenty four cigars in it, um, three hundred dollars. But it is That's a, a 24 very, count sample. Yeah, 24 count. Yeah. Right. And, and the Barrio Santo was the cigar that I was looking at it. And I'm like, the numbers weren't adding up when in the press release. So I emailed Angela and, and she told me the, yeah, the Barrio Santo was the uh, one that was missing in the press release. The outlier. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. So. Got yeah, Got it. All right. And finally, uh, we have Tego news. So, Ferriartego has been coming out with oh, a lot of newer stuff's been coming out from Tego this year. Um, they are adding two sizes to the Timeless Prestige line. That's the original Timeless line that came out uh, when Herclotz went to Nat Sherman o- over 10 years ago. There's two sizes. There's a Perfecto uh, called the Divinos. Uh, it's a 5x50 Perfecto. And there's a, a number 4 Petite Corona, 45 by 50 There are two smaller smokes that are geared, um, again, for... That season, the winter season when you when you have to have a smaller smoke. So um there is like I said, those are those are uh shipping as of now. Uh so there's quite a bit of activity that's been in the uh timeless line this year. Uh now he's got eight different Vitolas in, in that line. He's, he also did the limited edition Lancero earlier in the year, which which was at the trade show and that's coming back. So uh, you know, definitely Ferry Tego's coming out with some new stuff this year. It's been more of a uh Probably had a pretty active year for them. Uh, I know Michael's been very busy this year. Yeah, yes. You know what the capa is
3: on that cigar?
2: Oh, Honduran. I want to know it's a Honduran.
3: I mean, uh, just from the photos you popped up on the screen, I mean, that's some pretty clean looking material. He, I mean, that's yeah. A,
1: he prest- was, that's like, is that, is Placencia, right? Is that Placencia no, prestige? It's the, the Casado one. Cassata.
2: Now, he has another time with the Supreme that comes out of Placencia. That's yeah. out of Placencia.
3: Yeah. Right. That's right. hard to believe that's Honduran sungro. I Man, it yeah, looks really sharp, sharp.
2: It is very sharp looking. Um,
3: yeah, I want to see that in person. Very, too.
2: very consistent cigars to the timeless. I mean, I started smoking them when they came out in 2012. I enjoyed them and they're very, they're very consistent. Um, they have done a good job with, he's done a very good job with that line. Steve, you know, we don't really notice it down here, but do you
1: see an uptick in your like 448 type sizes in the
3: wintertime? Yeah, absolutely. The smaller formats, really? like, Yeah, a lot of guys they can't, you know, they like to smoke outside, so you know they they end up taking, you know, I mean, kudos to my friend at uh, Twins that, you know, branded something called Dog Walker, you know, I mean, yes. it was always that kind of like, hey, it's cold outside, I gotta take the dog out for twenty minutes. I'm gonna smoke a cigar. It's called a Dog Walker, and you know he's got that as a almost like a brand inside his brand, right? For seven twenty four, right, yeah, seven twenty four, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, they definitely they definitely are are much more popular, you know, in the winter months, you know, guys, they're just trying to squeeze stuff in. So, yeah, it's one yeah. of the reasons why I'm kind of regretting me delaying Pulpetta because Pulpetta is perfect. Perfect. For, that's that's what, yeah. perfect for the winter months. I mean, we're, we're going to ship it in January is the current plan, but it would have been nice to be shipping it like in December. Right. Because that's really the beginning of when people really need the cold weather right. cigars.
2: But you got the four forty eight in Mikarita too. I mean it's yeah, I got it
3: in Tricky Traca, Mica Rita, in the new sobra mesa salita. Yeah, yeah, we have the short Churchill, yeah, which yeah. is uh which is close it's a little longer. It's like four and three quarters by forty-eight. Um yeah, I try to I try in most of the lines to have something like okay, so like let's do some breaking news. Um at the trade show next year, we're releasing a new Umbagog. Called bronze back, which is gonna be a five by 48. Um, we're gonna be using a different uh different, I don't wanna call it a priming because it's a stock cut tobacco, but on a broadleaf plant, you basically have your sand leaf, which goes to the trash. You have your one LSs, your two LS, then you have your mediums in the top half of the plant. And sometimes you get your number one darks. Um, depending on the crop cycle, you need a really kind of a drier, warmer, hotter year to get that thicker tobacco. But the 2LSs, they're not as sweet. They're not as earthy, but they're more spicy. Uh, They don't tend to get used very often because it's a bit uglier, but it has a really interesting taste that isn't like other broadleaf tobaccos. And because we're making so many Meekeritas and red meat lovers and all these other things, um, I have more 2LS than I can sell to other manufacturers. Uh, so we're going to launch an Umbagog using the 2LS wrapper and see what consumers think about it. I, I like it. And we're doing that in a in a 5x48 format to begin because I think of it more as a little bit more of a geeky kind of cigar.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: and so I, w- I want to see how it fares. I, I hope it does well. But, yeah, you you do need some shorter smokes in the portfolio. Um, that's a lot of guys just do robustos, but I think the four, what I love about a four by 48 is that proportionally it's a Toro. It's like you make a four by 48. It's like you took a Toro and you hit it with a shrink ray gun from a cartoon. It like just scales almost exactly the same. So there's something about that four by 48 format that just really works really well for many, many blends.
2: Yeah, I think it's the best size you have in, in the blue and the Tricky track. I mean, I think that that's always been – that 4x48 just really just works well in both of those blends. So, Tricky track, I like the
3: 6 four eights. my favorite. Um, in the blue, I actually like the Toro and the Gordita, the 4x48. Those are my two favorites in the blue, you know.
1: So, uh, listen, you heard it here first, that uh, new uh, Umagog.
2: New Umagog. Yeah, it's going to be
3: called Bronzeback.
2: Bronzeback. Because, bronzeback. Yeah. What's the meaning of bronzeback?
3: Bronzeback's the nickname that you give a uh, smallmouth bass. Okay. Uh, yeah.
2: there you so go. it fits it's with like, the
3: whole umbagog thing, like umbagog, yeah. fishing, all that.
2: Yeah. 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 So yeah. I
3: mean, is the wrapper will be more uh, reddish. It'll be more bronzy.
1: Same. Same packaging and, and banding, though. Maybe. Yeah. The
3: only thing is, I we're adding a little bit of a we're adding a little bit of bling to the band. It'll actually have a, a bronzed foil. Instead of it just being green and the plain white, it'll be the green with the bronze. Because it's going to taste significantly different than the other umbagogs. Single so I want the- consumers to be able to quickly recognize it when they have them in their humidor. Makes and sense. Go, okay, this one's different than the other ones.
2: That makes
1: sense. And, uh, I mean, shit, you brought it up. So when are we talking, Steve? Any, any ballpark so, idea?
3: So, we're, yeah, we're already making bronze back. Um, I think we will ship that right after the trade show. So I think when retailers place orders in March we'll pretty much be turning those around. I mean that's the plan. I haven't gotten the bands yet, right? So <laughs> who knows. You know, I just it's it's, it, it's sometimes it just feels like you're throwing darts at the wall, right? Krakatoa is supposed to come out in September. Didn't All come right. out until October. Um Holiday, I should have already been shipping Holiday. Holiday is still in a container in transit to our warehouse. Everything's still lagging a little behind for us by about four to eight weeks. Um, we still haven't completely caught up and it. It's not cigars. It's packaging. Packaging is the reason for the delays across the board. So you know, but I it's think like always the case lately. Yeah. Best laid plans of mice and men, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Coop, you got anything else? Was that your news for the week? That was
2: the news for the week. Uh, what do you got coming up this week, Coop? Um, mostly some review. It's a, we're in a review cycle, so you'll see that. Um, we, we actually don't have our Thursday show nailed down yet as our guest, so um, we're just waiting on a couple confirmations on that. But the plan is we, we will have a show on Thursday uh, for the primetime show. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, we're going to be mostly focused on on the review side. I know we have the the EP Carrillo Pre- Pledge of Allegiance cigar reviews coming out. Uh, I think Ashton, the Ashton uh, Lower Over the Cuba Connecticut's coming out. So definitely uh, stay tuned for those.
3: Hey, Coop, do you feel like there's less cigar reviews online this last year? Yes, I don't see as many cigars being reviewed, and it's weird to me because we're in a year where there were so many new introductions. I, I thought it would go the other way. I thought, oh, my God, there's so much new for them to smoke. They're going to just basically have to be writing a review like every two days. But yeah. It seems like there's far less reviews to read.
2: Oh, the YouTubers have cut down for sure on reviews. There's less written reviews coming out. You know, on Coop, actually, I set a goal of 150 reviews. I hit 149. This year, and it was just sometimes you get cold and things like that that factor into it's that. A lot, it's man. a lot. It's still a lot. Yeah, it's and I've been a up to 160 at some years, but so 100 we're, we're about the same level. But I've noticed for sure there's definitely less reviews and definitely less really on the written end. It's it's half wheel coupe. Um. Um. How about that cigars? Developing well? palettes. Blind Developing man's, palettes, man's, pop, blind man's pop, right? Yeah. Um. Smoking tobacco is now starting to do some as well, but not there's not a lot of these written ones anymore coming out. So why do you think that a, is? You think it's just a traffic it's, thing? It's work. It's, it's a, a lot of work. work. It's a That's lot trouble. of work. Um, you have to go through. I mean, writing a review take you have to smoke them. You have to write the review. Um, I I'm I'm blessed. I have a I have an editor, a proofreader now. Um, which is now it's my wife, and she puts a lot of time into those things too. So um it takes it takes the video reviews you could be a little more agile with but even video reviews you know you still have to edit video and stuff like that that's not easy either um it it takes a lot of time you know how about that cigar went to a very interesting format they went to this like and i think it's a great thing they did they have this like one pager format they do and they just put highlights and they kind of put it into a graphic and i think it's a great format that they've come up with who is Uh, that how about I'm that
3: good. cigar? That's Matt Thai. Oh, how about that cigar? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. Dojo's still doing reviews. I don't Dojo to too. I forgot
2: out. Dojo. Yeah. Yeah, they do but a Dojo-
3: graphical kind of format, a little lighter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a look. You know my thing with reviewers: reviews are reviews. They're going to be what they're going to be. They're always going to be yeah, eight, yep individual, different. they you know, but if you're doing it, it's a lot of time because you don't want to just do a hot take. You know what I mean? You want to actually. Try to give your readership your sincere, honest opinion, you know, even if it, you don't agree with that opinion you're reading. I, I think most reviewers that go to the effort, it, it does take a lot of time to do it properly.
2: It, 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 it definitely it definitely does. Um, and a lot of people get into it and they, they they say, I want to be a reviewer. It's great. Then they realize the work that goes into it. And it's a lot of work. It, it's you know it is. You have to be passionate about smoking the cigars, and you have to be passionate about delivering the media content. The other thing that is second- when
3: you're reviewing a cigar, it's the same way as when I'm blending. You're really not enjoying most of the experience. Yeah, you're just being so you know, you're being so attentive. You're being so critical. You're analyzing everything. It, it you don't get that. Oh, I get to kick back and smoke a cigar and relax. That's because if you get to the end of that review, it's gonna be like I liked it. I didn't like it. It was That's mild, right. it was strong. it was uh, right, it was right. good. Uh, you know what I mean, you, you literally could reduce the review to a paragraph at most.
2: you know you said you said something to me, Steve, a, a few years ago, and it actually did change the way I was delivering reviews. You kind of said you have a lot of cigars that I never heard of. And when you said that, it, it actually struck a, a chord, and I had to start going and looking at the numbers. And what I discovered is a lot of these, look, I love these small companies and everything, but if the cigars nowhere to be found in two years, it doesn't sustain traffic on my site as opposed to something that is a regular production cigar. Right. I
3: know that, you know, to the, for the, for the, the geek crowd reviewing a CAO flathead, it's like been there, done that. But there's so many people that smoke flatheads. Sure. That they're really no. genuinely interested to know, Hey, what does Coop think of this particular cigar that I see in my store? I either really like it. I either really hate it or I thinking about buying yeah. it. So yeah, I mean, you're actually gonna get much bigger readership on that stuff. You don't want to ignore the small. No, you know, we don't either. We we
2: we try to mix some but, in, but but
3: you, but you can't you can't focus c- exclusively on that because that small group that are like really super active on the internet, they're focusing in on this. And then you go the other way. I mean, talk about reviewers. I mean, Boston Jimmy. If you are out there looking for reviews of these kind of esoteric, really small, small boutique brands, he does more of them than anybody else. It's really kind of his, like, I'm one of the, I would be like his mega
2: company when he reviews my
3: cigars (laughs) compared to what most of the cigars he's reviewed. Right, right, Yeah,
2: that's his niche. But I will say this. He's uncovered a few boutiques that I've kind of followed up with um, because of him. Um, You know, this guy Arnold Serafin out of Tampa was a guy he like was talking about two years ago and i recently got to meet him and he's got some very good cigars and now he's starting to expand his distribution so we'll see what happens so he has uncovered some of those uh diamonds in the rough is what i'll say it,
3: what's his it's uh stogie stogie, review. The right stogie. Press. stogie, stogie press. press
2: stogie press stogie press. Yes. yeah stogie press
3: stogie review isn't around anymore right i think they're one of the
2: no i mean ben ben's with me now so right so that's what happened. Yeah. Is they kind of all those guys fell off. So uh, you know, I been, I had wanted to get Ben for a while, and when it fell off, he finally uh, came over. Uh, but they were they were the original video reviewers. Those guys were the original guys in video reviewing. They were doing it before all these YouTubers uh, were doing it. So uh, I think they, Brian you know,
3: Glenn was probably the first, right, with cigars. Oh, Brian.
2: Yeah, I shouldn't say mm-hmm. Brian was one of the first. Yeah, and Brian, Brian does. And Brian's a straight. Brian, who says he smokes the cigar. He he doesn't get involved in a lot of the other stuff, and he he, just—it's more of an experience type of thing, uh, what he does. And his—you know—he's built a great following. Um, even he got off YouTube, and he still maintained a pretty good good following. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's uh, it's almost that time. It's about come to the end. Steve, any uh, any parting words?
3: I have to say that was probably the longest news segment ever. Probably yeah. us. We, we really, we really, weird. we really dived into each of those topics. Yeah, we only we had four topics. Yeah,
2: yeah. We, that. we didn't have any yeah. good ones. You know, I like topics that are not what I call Steve Rapper Binder Filler stories. So right, right. I mean we had a, we had a couple, we had one the STG one, which was always good getting there.
1: All right. Well, folks, thank you for joining us. Remember, it is Veterans Day. Happy Absolutely. veterans day to all the yep. veterans. And if you're not a veteran, take a minute to thank one. Thank you guys for joining us this Thank you. morning. As always, keep it lit. We will see you next week. Peace.